metronome. Does a metronome flash when it's recording? It should be counting. Time. It, it is counting now, but it's got this like weird tick, 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 tick metronome is it, thing. Is the record button lit up? Uh, it is, but it was lit up before when it wasn't, when the, the clock wasn't going. So this is what happens when you reach the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm well, Doug. Welcome to an experimental podcast from Softlead. We yeah. have, I would say that the the high tier of Softlead podcast would be the performance podcast, which is information and science based, right? I first of all, I'm not the person to consult about what is scientific or not. Anytime I use the word science, you can assume that I'm just trying to convince you that my point of view is correct and yours is wrong. That's fair, but I'm saying if you were to rank Softlead podcasts. The performance podcast is a technical, informative podcast. The Die Living podcast is kind of a bullshitty. It's but, exciting. But interesting. We have real guests. We bring real guests on, and I think we discuss real topics. I assume that we're going to do none of these things this in podcast this podcast. <laughs> is the bottom of the barrel for people that just, just want to hear you bullshit, man. So frequently... Um, Brent likes to do things to me, like tell me that my chest hair is too long and we're getting complaint emails into the company account. Or alternately, he'll tell me that my voice is high-pitched and annoying or that, you know, we've gotten lots of emails. Like, why are you laughing so hard right now? <laughs> I never heard the high-pitched and annoying one. Yeah. But <laughs> no, uh, I, I like that he's like, uh, fairly frequently you get emails that are like, why is Doug even on the Die Living podcast? I, I get it. If it was just Aaron, we might actually be able to get the podcast on NPR. Did he tell you about the Cody thing? No, that he was. He told me that he made some offhanded co- comment to Cody as a joke. That he thought Cody knew it was a joke about Cody's calves being too small, <laughs> <laughs> and that Cody worked on like a calf routine for like three months because of it. Cody will take a comment and he will hold on to it. This is a true story. So um, I love, I love es- Cody, essentially. By the way. My Brent uses everything I do in this company as a way to try to exert leverage against my like sense of like self-worth, which sometimes feels lower than it should be. Um, or maybe it's higher than it should be. It's hard to tell. Uh, either way, the only thing I've established being really good at at this company is my ability to bullshit. And here we are. There was an email chain that I was not included on between Jeff, our marketing guy, and Aaron, where they were. Jeff was like, I think that Doug should do a Bill Burr type podcast because he always has like, inflammatory opinions on everything and there should be an and, adult and you know this this is true so I literally I'm reading through this email that that Aaron looped me in on uh, after he'd been talking about me for several days and uh, you know Jeff was like there needs to be an adult in the room to balance Doug's opinions and I'm thinking to myself that I'm going to get Robin from like you know Howard Stern like it's going to be uh, a minority of more left-leaning uh actually i mean these days i'm pretty left-leaning certainly technically i'm a minority and technically you are too i'm a secret minority it was it was a family secret (laughs) my grandmother was dutch (laughs) (laughs) um so here we are keys winner means attic (laughs) attic dweller (laughs) (laughs) my family were actually winners though we we didn't end up like anne frank (laughs) winners (laughs) winners that's right we survived. Um, <clears throat> so here we are saying inappropriate things on the radio. 
Um, I don't know what we're going to call this thing. Uh, Aaron, I like bottom of the barrel. Aaron wants to call it bottom of the barrel. Uh, the first thing he said to me in this was, I think we should stay away from politics and religion. Bottom of the barrel has that uh, double double meaning. We can tie it back to firearms. I mean, I, I suppose I don't know what's at the bottom of a firearms barrel. Um, Which way would the bottom be? Would that be the chamber side or? I mean, I was thinking that it would be below top dead center. So like there would be the noon and the six o'clock position. I don't know what's there. Ah, see, you're thinking about it even differently than I would be. Look at us. We're, we're a couple of menches. Problem solvers. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we're, we are not staying away from politics and religion. I actually thought that the idea of calling this the politics and religion. We're not going to call it the politics and religion <laughs> podcast. I, I feel like it is totally okay to talk about subjects that are divisive and create an emotional response. If you're a slave to your emotions, you're a weak person. That's what Brian tells me every day when I start yelling. I think that's pretty fair. I definitely, you guys have had some good arguments in the office lately, <laughs> by the way. Like good old married couple. Yeah. Like, I, so Brian and I have been best friends for 20 years, um, almost 20 years now, I guess. Um, we met each other when we were both in college in Texas and our friendship has been through many trials and tribulations and has developed into what looks like a, a marriage. It's not a, there's no other way to describe yeah. it. Um, his wife, when Brian refers to it as a marriage, his wife will always tell him that the couch is looking welcoming for him. <laughs> you guys are hetero life. Man. <laughs> um, so I, the, the premise here is that we will be doing our, our gut check is 30 minutes. I don't think anybody can tolerate more than 30 minutes of this. Um, and we're not sure anyone can tolerate more than three minutes of this. <laughs> Aaron is going to pitch softballs and then I'm going to elaborate on what the softball is from my uninformed and generally biased opinion. I didn't even know I was pitching softballs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron reads a lot of news. Uh, he reads a lot of like, I mean, Aaron, if anyone has discovered the end of the internet, I assume it is you. Uh, I don't know about that. I, you know, I spend a lot of time focusing on a few key websites these days and please say delisted is one of them. Delisted is not <laughs> one of them. Um, I will sound uptight and pompous if I list them. No, no, please do. Give me, I want people to know who you are, Aaron. <laughs> the top five bookmarks in my, my news folder excluding pornography i'm assuming including pornography oh, well, let's go this is about to get good our wall street journal new yeah. york times okay. financial times uh -huh. wired magazine okay and the economist you had to grasp that last one i'm assuming that hamster tube or something was like number five <laughs> <laughs> hamster tube yeah I still puts you above most people uh, who spend ninety percent of their time on the internet perusing pornography. I just I like Wired magazine as well. Uh, Fast Company occasionally. TechCrunch is kind of cool. I just want I want real news, man. I, you know, is the, it real news though? All of those sites, I believe, provide real news. I believe that Wall Street Journal and The Economist and even the New York Times provide journalist integrity. Uh, Wired. Certainly, in some capacity, also a clickbaity. I, I mean, certainly, all of those, all of those publications are not 
centrist, right? I mean, I don't even know that there is a tr- a true center. Do we do uh, we even have aside from maybe media anymore? I would I would argue that the Associated Press maybe is the closest thing. Do where you, it's like sometimes I feel like it's like reporting filter. on sports. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like this was the score, which I get. I this feel dude scored a touchdown. As someone who's traveled the world, this a guy lot, kicked a home run. I think that the AP does the most biased form of journalistic filtering where they're only running stories on the wire that fit into certain like co- like uh, like pillars for them. That's their business. No, though. absolutely. I mean, it's their business. I'm just saying that the idea that first like first like primary sources People who are on the ground watching something unfold, who have personal bias, but are trying to fight against that using a journalistic code, are reporting, and then that's coming back to the AP, which is the original point of the Associated Press, right? Was we have this list of verified reporters that we we believe have journalistic integrity that are on the ground, and we're going to tell you what's happening there. It's kind of funny because I'm going to say something that may be unpopular, but I think that like Al Jazeera and BBC are two of the few media outlets where... In general, uh, I mean, obviously there there are blind spots for both of those organizations, but they definitely report on multiple sides of the same issue globally, and it doesn't seem like they filter. Yeah, no, based I, on. I mean, I've like, heard a lot audience. of soft guys say that Al Jazeera is like one of their top news sources, and not for just Middle East, you know, news. It's it, as unbiased global news reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for sure. Get. I think it's weird too because like. Typically, from a soft standpoint, like I think about reporting more conflict driven than mm-hmm. I do from like a standpoint like re- reading the Wall Street Journal to me is always really interesting because there's a lot of nuanced information. I think the Journal and the New York Times, you have to look at them in both of them as having two categories. You have to separate the op-ed pieces yep. from the actual news reporting. The Journal's op-ed pieces tend to be, you know, pretty right wing. The New York Times op-ed pieces tend to be pretty left-wing. Yep. But the actual quality of the news reporting, like outside of the op-ed, you know, and calmness, is is pretty centrist. Um, even the New York Times, if it's a left-leaning publication, man, if you zoom out and look at all of the shit that's available, like it's pretty towards the center, you know, compared to, uh, you know, like a Mother Jones. It's not or, Salon. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm saying. You. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So I also think that we've become so entrenched in. I mean, it blows my mind when I look at a news feed from an American quote unquote media company and see that like they're running five stories on the same fucking subject. And you're like, dude, are we serious? Like, can I get away from this? Like, I don't care. I, I read that, you know, I, here we go with politics. I read that Donald Trump was putting anyone's name who was a supporter on a live stream underneath his State of the Union address for a dollar a name. Okay. I read it once and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe we're doing that. And then I read it again and I read it again and I read it again. And every media source that has a vested interest in villainizing the Trump administration had their own exactly the same spin on the story. And I'm like, hey man, this is just How would he even do that? Uh, he literally had a like a site set up. Did you not see this? No. How did I see it a hundred times and you didn't see it at Dude, all? Dude, I'm trying to stay away from news like that. No, man. that's not true. We did see a commercial for it together uh, where he said, support me. That and, was different. No, that was it. That was that. That was what was going on. Really? Yes. He was literally selling. 
space, you'll get on a list of his supporters by paying a dollar to a website where they have like a pay channel set up. I did not realize that that was like a broadcasted thing. Yeah, they were, they were gonna they were running a scrolling list of names underneath his State of the Union address. That commercial, by the way, sounded like he recorded it in maybe 15 seconds with one take and did not give a no zero fuck zero fucks bro. <laughs> like I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know, we at Soft Lead are gonna do this silly podcast where Doug's going to say whatever he thinks and it's going to be low production quality and I'm going to fuck up and say the wrong thing. We can get away with that. And then I'm like, I mean, maybe I should run for president. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, uh, it's not far off the mark. I think you could definitely be like a Hillsborough town councilman. <laughs> oh, you mean, what was the guy's name from Parks and Rec who was uh, always at odds with uh, with Amy Poehler's character? Oh, He the- had a terrible name. Uh, I didn't watch it. I've, most of my Parks and Rec watching has come in the form of YouTube videos oh, yeah, of, yeah. of Nick Offerman. Amazing clips, dude. I yeah. mean, it's really great. But no, the the guy who was her opponent is like, that's probably the kind of city councilman that I'll be. I can see you being on like the board of education oh, for like the, the county or something. What's going yeah. wrong with these kids? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Um, so yeah, going, going back to media outlets, I have no idea what's going on in the world. Uh, I was amused when I was in Iraq in, what was that, 18, <laughs> just now, this year, last year, and yeah, woo, 17 and 18. Um, a long nine months ago. Oh, yeah. I, I try to block these things from my memory. Um, Time while flies, I was there man. and the Kurds were asserting their independence and were like trying to, you know, establish themselves uh, as a separate nation from Iraq. It was very amusing to me to see the tone and like what I view to be overt, o- overtly ignorant dissonance between news that was coming out of media, out of the media. Okay, so let me back that up. The media wasn't reporting on the incident at all. It was almost like there was a media blackout, right? So like you have active fighting between Iraqi army and um, Sunni militias. And, I mean, uh, Shia militias, sorry. And then you have, um, and it was Iranian-backed Shia militias, and then you have basically an agnostic, marginally um, Sunni Kurdish state uh, that literally doesn't really have much of a you know philosophical dog in a fight one way or other. They just want to be independent. And they're <clears throat> pretty actively posturing for that, and there's active fighting going on. So there's a website, that was like, um, I'd have to look it up right now. I, I watched it religiously while I was there, but it was basically links to YouTube videos, cell phone videos of actual fighting going on all over Iraq between the Kurdish Peshmerga and the Iraqi military. And like you're, you're watching pitched fights, like tanks burning, you know what I mean? Like huge smoke, smoke plumes all over the place. And State Department is saying there is no there is no conflict, that there is a peaceful transition and that the Kurds have handed over the oil fields and to crit, you know, to the Iraqi military willfully. And no, there's nothing to see here. And I'm going, <clears throat> have you guys not looked like have we not looked on the Internet and, and the news is blacked out on this, like no media is reporting on it whatsoever. And, you know, the Kurds are like, why are we being abandoned? Yeah, but is that like a government conspiracy thing? Or are you no, saying- I mean, I don't believe in government conspiracies. First of all, the government is is piloted by people who would not qualify to get a pilot's license, much less to cover up something. So it's like if if you can't keep an 18 year old from doing bad things like under your command, then you're probably not going to be able to cover up some sort of 
you know, overt conspiracy. I've told you the pencil story from my brother, right? No, go ahead. So my brother works works for the government in Washington, D.C. Get him fired. Get him fired. Get him fired. For an organization (laughs) that will remain nameless. Does it rhyme with? I'm I'm not saying. What what fun are you? He, I don't want to burn my fucking brother's life. I'm down, going man. to assume that it rhymes with Department of Deschmints. <laughs> it's going to be totally fake, but for this, continue telling your story about your brother. So, my brother, for whatever reason, wanted a pencil. He wanted a single fucking pencil. Yes. Right? There was a whole, you know, there's some form you fill out for office supply requests, blah, blah, blah. He has to put in this like official thing to get a pencil. Why he didn't just go to fucking Office Max and That's buy a pencil? That's what most people do. Right. I'm impressed by his dedication. Let's so continue. <laughs> he decides to go through this whole process. Fuck you, bureaucracy! I will win. Three weeks later, a dude shows up at their his department yeah, yeah, yeah. office. His, his his office. Right. With his a cubicle. With a pallet jack. With a pallet, a like six foot tall pallet of number two. Yellow pencils. He'll never need to ask for one again. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's a total victory. It couldn't fit through the door. Yeah. Right. So to break that pallet down. Not only that, but it used all of the remaining office supplies. Oh, budget. no. Stop. So they, everyone had to use number two pencils. They didn't have money for pencil sharpeners. Oh, man. So I have, I would tell you that this is all a blatant lie. It's a story told to incite fucking, you know, Feelings of anger towards an inefficient bureaucracy, but even as a lowly E7 in the army, I have seen the same thing happen. Well, this is why there can't be conspiracy theories. Well, there can be conspiracy theories, but conspiracy theories. Typically, I will judge a person's intellect based on their propensity to believe things like the Holocaust didn't happen or that jet fuel does not melt steel. If you start down those roads with me, I'm going to assume you don't vaccinate your children and you may have had sex with your brother at some point. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm with you, man. Those those are all valid. If you're listening to this podcast and are offended by those last statements, I hope that you, yes, you have not yet experienced the inbred consequences of your actions, but will soon feel like the hills have eyes or something, right? It's all good. I mean, I don't judge. What was the horror movie? Does the Hills Have Eyes? Was it? All I right. think so. Or House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> like, whatever, I don't know. Something. Whatever. Yeah. I essentially feel like the duty of unbiased, an unbiased worldview is on you, the consumer, and that you can read the elitist top five that Aaron gets all his information from and be well-versed in a variety of views on very limited subjects. But if you really want to know the truth, you have to dig to the bottom of the internet you have to start finding people that you're like, nope, that person had sex with their brother. Do not believe what they had to say. Not everything that you get in a, in a mass email at your office or on a forum is a valid, a valid point. The internet may lie to you. Yeah. No, I mean, I have seen pictures of Hillary Clinton engaging in direct murder. <laughs> I have. I've seen them. They are true. They came to me in an email that said, if you believe this, send to everyone on your mailing list. And I was like, well, forward all. So you know someone that sent it to you. Um, the worst part is that when those, when the, 
I've worked with those people who've sent emails like that over government email systems. And every time I get them, I just feel a sinking feeling in my stomach. And I am filled with shame that I once thought this person was a close friend of mine. I'm like, oh, how have I not seen who this person is? Right. And I don't understand it at all. My mom may have forwarded me a Kenyan birth certificate for a former president. And I was ashamed because I realized that as much as I try to avoid this, it's coming for me too. You know, like this is, these are my people. Well, one day we'll be old and. And afraid. Unable to understand technology. Yeah. And. He looks like he came from Africa. I mean, (laughs) one point, my mom, all the other points, anyone with rational train of thought. Right. I really hope my mom does not listen to this. She is a lovely woman, and God bless her soul. She's entitled to believe that people were born wherever that she wants to believe. Just doesn't seem that it's true. It's a free country. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to America, where you can be as ignorant as you want to be. I, I mean, there is there is an element of truth to that, and that, I think that makes this place wonderful. I think it is wonderful. I also think that. Like I want to, I want to pull your chain on how you feel about the great unwashed middle America, like the places between the coasts that you love so much, Aaron. I grew up in the Midwest, so and and yet you still want to deny them representative government. <laughs> I have never <laughs> ever said that. See, Aaron didn't know that this was going to turn into <laughs> the, the tables were going to be turned. I did not say that. My feeling is that the electoral system should be changed so that states can split their electoral votes based on the voting percentage within the state. And the reason I think that is because, well, of two things. One is that it would depolarize the country, right? Like right now. Not necessarily sure that's true, but continue. (laughs) It it might. It might. That's my feeling is that it might. I am a big fan of what ifs, you know, like I will see. Let's try it. So, for example, let's say you are Ted Cruz. I'm just pulling his name out randomly. Why would He's you He's an ever, American hero. Hey, go continue. <laughs> why would you ever go campaign in San Francisco or Seattle? Like, you I mean, know, Ted Cruz is merely a... He's a politician in Texas, so he would never campaign in Seattle or San Francisco. When he Francisco. was running for president. Oh, in the primaries? Yeah. You wouldn't campaign there because there's no Republicans that live in those places. Just, that's my po- <laughs> that's my point though. Was but we are losing those states. Let's go somewhere that matters. Hey man, California has a shitload of electoral votes. They do. And if you thought that you could get a bunch you might be able to get more electoral votes as a Republican campaigning in California with a system that splits the vote. Yeah, and Ventura County and stuff. Yeah, sure. Going to Wyoming or something like that, right? Well, that's totally so, true. I and so that. I think and I think that part of the reason that we have that polarization is those candidates aren't speaking to people there. They don't have to appeal can, to can those we do voters. A 30 minute episode on how the electoral college works in on bottom of the barrel. So that other like how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> so essentially we, if we really dug into this and we explained how the electoral college worked, people would be left scratching their heads even more. So what you're saying is that I believe a party that elects a person who is not an elected representative of their constituency to vote a certain way based on marginally the votes of another group of people. Yeah, it seems, seems interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think that it is more effective than a straight popular vote, though, as, especially as we become more <clears throat> urbanized. Like, the fact that we're, like... 
population centers are becoming a thing again. Like we haven't dispersed ourselves. I, I don't even want to get into this, but like the movement to the coasts and like the movement back to urban centers in the last 50 years or so has really changed the political layout of the United States. And I have a feeling that eventually that will reverse again based on a, a variety of things. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, we started there and we've moved, you know, we moved to the center and then we moved back to the coasts predominantly. And I think that eventually we will, something will happen. I don't even think it's the coasts. It's an urbanization. What is the coast? I mean, literally it's, I mean like the population density. I I read a book about this and I'll have to bring it in. It's a David something or other Kilcullen or something about the urbanization, which is like to the, it literally is like urban centers become coastal just because shipping like, you know, people gravitate towards shipping lanes, which are coastal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, this podcast isn't meant for me to pontificate about things I don't understand. Oh, wait, it is. <laughs> I, I read this book by a smart person who I don't pretend to understand. Actually, I'm going to recommend a book based oh. on what you just said. And I have to, I'm hoping I can find it. But I'm going to, as since this is Doug's bottom of the barrel podcast, after this episode, I'm going to ban Google. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to fact check anything I say on here, Aaron. <laughs> Only people that write angry emails to Brent are allowed to fact check things. That idiot Doug said some things that were totally untrue about David Coquillon. He was a genius and he did not advocate moving to the coasts whatsoever. I have to admit it was an academic book. I was bored by it and I fell asleep many times trying to read it. Nature's Metropolis. Okay. About how Chicago came about. Oh God, you and Midwesterners. I just loved it. My it down, came about my because it was close there. to Canada and it was easy to bring liquor across the Great Lakes and then therefore sploosh it all over the rest of America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. No, probably not. But it did come to fame because of that. Mm, maybe. Yeah, in the twenties. That's like when Chicago blew up, right? Like because of prohibition. Or because of the agricultural markets that flourished there. That's true. Uh, I read something else about that, about how the greatest wealth in America during the 40s was, the 30s and 40s was spread out across the Midwest, but there were no individual wealthy people. It was the collective body. Like everyone had a very standard median personal net worth. But there were so many people above the middle line in America. I believe that's probably also the beginning of the decay of the American middle class. Maybe. 60s mm, afterwards. Probably in the, the 70s, yeah. yeah. When when American industry started to like be overseed, over yeah. whatever, o- offshore, however they say it. The gung-ho times. Yeah. Um, man, this shit got heavy. It's kind of like Russian Doll. I've been watching it on Netflix in the first. I keep like, seeing it pop man, up. It was fucking hilarious. The really? first six episodes, and then episode seven and episode eight got super fucking heavy. And I, I finished it. And I was like, man, this is a really good. It was an excellent show, and I appreciate the fact that in eight episodes they posited an idea, they made some jokes, they made some points, and then they ended it. There will not be a Russian Doll season two, which I, I am deeply grateful for. I hate it when there's a show and I'm like, this is really cool. Also, season two sucks. Yeah, well, some shows have the, an indefinite plot line. Some don't. 
I mean, I was so excited about True Detectives being uh, like an episodic thing yeah. until season two when I realized that star power does not equal a good television show. I hear season three is good. I've been trying so hard. I've I watched episode one and lost interest. Episode two, um, I was very like into my phone on. I'm going to go back and I'm going to set my phone in the bedroom and I'm going to force myself to watch the show. Maybe that'll help. A little bit lighter. One show that I'm really digging, uh, The Magicians. And it's basically Harry Potter, but everyone fucks. Whoa. Where's this? Is this on like uh, Cinemax or something? I think it's on Netflix. It might be on Amazon. I don't know. But uh, really? yeah, it's like Harry Potter, the college year, the grad school <laughs> years. Right. And is there full frontal male nudity? That's really the defining bar for me. Is, <laughs> is it a sexist show? It, can There's, I see dicks? No, because it's from like Sci-Fi Network or something. You said that it was like Amazon, and I was very excited. Well, I watch it on Amazon or oh. maybe Netflix. I don't know. So this isn't like Black Flags or Black Sales or whatever, where where I'm like, man, who knew Captain Flint was gay? Spoiler alert, <laughs> bitches! I hope that you watch that show and you're like, Captain Flint is not gay. Oh my god, he is. Well, he's marginally bisexual, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's a continuum these days, man. I mean, I think it's always been a continuum. Well, it's just the 21st century and we're able to talk about it now. Fair enough. I have I have oftentimes in my life been like, ah, I'm not gay, but that's a handsome man. And I can understand why another person might want to kiss that person. There you go. Yep. See? Look at how open-minded I am. Um, oh. <laughs> 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 uh, Topics that I could expound on that would embarrass everyone in my family. <laughs> You're like, oh, hey, by the way, it's time. It's one time in college. <laughs> We've all, all maybe. No, all you're about there. to. Now you're Not really gonna there. go down there, Aaron. I was like, oh, we're all standing on the diving board. Well, I'll just <laughs> jump in. And I was like, no, 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 dude. I was just standing here and I was gonna make fun of you when you jumped off. Don't jump. I'm not jumping. I'm just saying that I want to hear more. I <laughs> just. Excellent backpedaling. I mean, Wiley Coyote is running in the <laughs> desert and he runs out over the Grand Off Canyon the and he's like, <gasps> and then he goes, back comes back. I was like, that was what just happened. Nah, man. I don't remember most of my college years. Excellent. It's an excellent way to downplay what a man's manhood might taste like. <laughs> uh, Wow. I, yeah. See, you put me in this like awkward position, I right? Oh, it's amazing. Like, welcome to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this show would be the, a lot better. The if, standard response is, I'm not. I'm not gay, but there's bro. There's nothing wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is true. True story. Um, but I feel like saying that's defensive. No, there's, and the way that I've characterized it has made it impossible for you to respond. You, you have checkmated <laughs> me on homosexuality. Can we get. So. I think that this podcast will be way better if I have like a soundboard with buttons like boing and like you need a slide whistle, <laughs> a rap air horn like <laughs> wah, 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 wah. yeah, I need that. This needs to be like a podcast with uh, Jean Paul Ralphio. My second, <laughs> my my second Parks and Rec reference of the day. You know what TV show did have full frontal nail nudity, which I was not expecting, was Patriot. Oh, I was thinking about The Patriot with Mel Gibson. And I was like, wow, that was very out of character. Right. But then I realized it was about the depressed spy. Was yeah. there any frontal nudity in that? There's one scene. That's amazing to me. You remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing it, things back. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy scene. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's full frontal male nudity done as comedy, and they pull it off pretty well. I mean, I feel like I need to go back and watch that show. Brian hates that show. I I don't love it either. Like the thing is, there are people I'm friends with that absolutely think it's the best thing that's on TV, and there are other people that are like, eh, I don't know. You can't take it too seriously. I I mean, I accept that. Brian's like that guy sucks at his job. Like, I mean, dude, he does actually. Well, yes, that's the whole point. The show wouldn't be cool if he didn't suck at his job. You know, it show sucks, and yet I continue watching it because I am a soulless, powerless idiot who kneels, listens, worships, prays in front of the television. The Taken series. I didn't even know that was a series. They got me when they said former Green Beret. I'm not going to lie. I was like, well, I owe it to myself to watch this show. And every episode, I hate myself more because I'm like, this is terrible. And I hope it ends. I hope he dies. And yet there I am rooting for him. How do they do a whole series on that? Um, I mean, that's one. That it's not a Liam Neeson never shouldn't have even. Been, there never should have been another sequel. There shouldn't have been Taken 2. Allow me to. Well, I, I don't believe that. I think that all the Taken movies are equally good. It's like Die Hard, man. It, like the original concept. Are you awesome. saying that Die Hard 3 should never have been made because it was the greatest one? No. Yes. No. Oh, it was. No. With Samuel L. Jackson? Dude. Wrong. I know it was absolutely no. It wasn't a Christmas movie. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not arguing from a Christmas movie standpoint. Die Hard One was a genre-defining film. Uh, Zeus was in Die Hard Three, and there were Germans robbing the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City. Yeah, that was the one with the dump trucks. Right? Yes, it was amazing. Man, no. Hey, I, here's a, here's an unpopular subject. <clears throat> Indiana Jones, should they have made the fourth one? No. Yeah, you say that. Why? Tell me why. Because the fucking alien ending was dumb. Yeah, but why? It was dumb, man. What so let me, let, me, was... let me ask you a series of questions and see where you sit on this. All right. You believe that the Ark of the Covenant has ghosts in it that can melt Nazis' faces, and that there is a mysterious cult of people that can pull your heart beating from your chest Named Kali Ma. No, I, don't, I don't believe that. You stuff. also are willing to suspend belief about the idea that the Holy Grail hidden somewhere can grant eternal life, but the concept of space aliens is too outlandish and now, dumb for you to stomach. You're looking. You're boiling it down. Your, your argument is invalid. How so? The reason is not that the concepts. The, all movies, fictional movies, are about the willingful suspension of disbelief. Absolutely agreed. If the alien ending had been like the fucking spaceship opens and like aliens versus predator spills out and like an alien's tail fucking spears Indiana Jones through the heart and then a fucking it's like a futuristic snake. Yeah, like an, you know, like a fucking (laughs) predator shoulder cannon like blows up something else. What if they were friendly aliens? That would have been fucking cool. But the alien dude, the fucking aliens were so cheesy. Um, it's not fair to talk about the limited CGI capabilities of a Spielberg budget. It is fair. Do you also think that the aliens from Fire in the Sky were cheesy? I don't think I saw that. Oh my God. You uncultured Philistine. Didn't see it. No, I'm just, my my point in that is to say that sometimes sequels are better than the first one. Mm. And if anyone thinks that I am saying that the fourth Indiana Jones movie is as good as any of the first three, I will give me one. Give seppuku. me aside from this diehard bullshit argument. Give me one more sequel that's as good or better than the first oh, movie. Son of a bitch! Now I'm really gonna have to dig deep. Um, I'm having a difficult time 
finding a franchise. Um, like Airbud Two. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than the original <laughs> Airbud. I I feel as though I'm going to have to admit that I've been checkmated <laughs> with the Airbud Two reference. <laughs> I'll tell you the only movie that I can think of, the only series where each movie is almost as good as the first one. And this is not something that I actually want to talk about, but <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there because I think Richard Linkletter is a cinematic genius. So before midnight, awesome movie movie. I've never seen. So there's that Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Nope. Good movie. They did before midnight, then before sunrise <sighs> or wait, sorry, it was before sunrise, then before that's it. Before so I am sunrise familiar was the with first these one. movies, but every time I read before the description, sunset was the second one, and then yeah. there's a third one that I can't remember the name of. I do feel like these movies would like when I read the description, I feel like they're the kind of movies that would lower my testosterone dramatically. So I've usually blipped over them. That is a uh, male chauvinistic way of saying that I cry in movies a lot, and I try not to engage in ones that I know will make me cry more. I'm looking up the trilogy here. Also, I think that Ethan Hawke died of AIDS recently. Did he not? Did he really? No. I just like to say that because I don't <laughs> like Ethan Hawke. <laughs> um, I like Ethan Hawke. In fact, there's... What's the movie? The one where he was in the vampire thing? No, the Philip K. Dick uh, adaptation, the short story about time travel, which I thought was really good. Mm. So there's... That's what it is. Before Midnight is the final one. It's before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. Yes, they're kind of touchy-feely. Um... These movies will get you laid. I'm not entirely sure by the kind of people I want to get laid by. Not if you're married. Yeah, I mean, you can make that caveat. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make that caveat. I'm just going to say not by the people I want to get laid by. What do you mean? Um, I feel like in general, the kind of women that I would like to have sex with are into the real wives of New Jersey or something like that. That's right. true. I mean. I also enjoy having meaningful discussions about how unrealistic Fifty Shades of Anything is and how real BDSM looks like dot, dot, dot. So <laughs> those are the movies that I'm watching to get laid, Aaron. All right. Predestination. Predestination. Awesome time loop movie based on, I think it's Philip K. Dick. I could be wrong, but uh, I need a better... A better device to look this shit up. Yeah, not Google. Your Google machine's letting you down right now. Well, I just need to be able to type faster. Would this podcast seem more serious if people could hear you furiously typing on a keyboard? I don't know. Robert Heinlein. Oh. Heinlein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, Robert Heinlein was the author of Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. This is the moment where you're like, I haven't read the book, but I saw the movie, and everyone goes, ah! I have actually not seen Starship Troopers, the movie, but I have read the book. I'm going to say that I've done both, and I found the movie to be a lovable, like, RoboCop in space. <laughs> it was, you know, lots of good outtakes. The book's good. Uh, I also liked Forever War. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. More of a political commentary than sci-fi. I feel like they're all political commentaries. Ye well, look at when he was writing. I'm a big fucking sci-fi fan. Hi, I'm Aaron. We're going to stay away from politics and religion. Also, I'm going to talk to you about political books. <laughs> <laughs> I like sci-fi porn, man. Yeah, I, I spaceship porn is definitely my number one category of pornography. Pleasure reading, really. I mean, I call it spaceship porn. It's basically oh. sci-fi that yeah. takes place in space. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, 
That was a letdown. I thought we were finally going to a subject I knew something about. <laughs> Tentacles. Actual spaceship porn. <laughs> yeah. I can see you if like I can see you winning the lottery and having like a HR Geiger like bedroom. Um I have recently really gotten into this uh like I feel like I'm at the stage in my life where I can be into erotic art and not feel judged by anyone. You know, like my Protestant guilt has subsided enough that when I see artful and tasteful oil paintings of vaginas, I'm like, wow, that belongs in my bedroom. Did you ever see the website? I think it's shut down now. Erotic falconry. No, but that sounds amazing. It's uh, let's see if it's still up. I watch. I, I I fairly frequently find myself looking at oil paintings by this dude Milk for my coconut on Instagram, and I'm always like, well, look at that. Would you just look at it? Those people are doing filthy things, but I can't really tell because it's kind of like an impressionistic oil version of it. Erotic falconer. It looks like the image or the website has changed, but um, here, check this out. Oh, well, that's interesting. There's <clears throat> pornography with falcons covering up the naughty bits or functioning as the naughty bits. Seems dangerous. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway. I, I like that we're literally, we've we've gone so far to the bottom of the barrel. We're now looking at things on the internet and not describing what they look like to you adequately and just musing. Well, hmm. people at home can Google. That's true. Google, Google erotic, erotic falconry and go straight to images. <laughs> the website does not work. Um, so who knows what the future holds for this or if this will even be interesting to anyone. Uh, my suspicion is anyone with uh, any, like anyone we'd want to listen to this podcast quit listening 20 minutes ago. Maybe. It says essentially you can think about this podcast as a weekly attempt to recreate um, what was the name of the Drinking Bros movie? I don't know. Son of a bitch. It was, um, I bought it as a to way to support them, and I've tried to watch it at least five times, and I can't get more than 15 minutes into it. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're no, talking about. No, it's the one man. that Nick Palmashano did the, like, not another, um, he did a documentary on it called Not Another war movie or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was uh, action 17 or something. No, son of a bitch. I, it, the movie was so unmemorable. Actually, it's not even fair to say it was unmemorable to me. It was memorable as a terrible movie. Like, it was like, I was like, God damn it. I want to watch this. I can't finish it. Well, but this podcast Google is it, our, no, I'm, I refuse to Google anything on this podcast. I'm going to Google it. Um, either way, we are going to try to recreate unlistenable podcasting. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see if it ever even happens again. If it ever happens. Range 15. Range 15. That's the one. There, there you go. go. All right. I've tried to watch it. I own it. It's on my... I, it is an homage to supporting bro vet culture. I believe my disenchantment with that movie is what made me shave my beard. You know what? I think the next podcast should be all about brovet culture. No, that's a real podcast that we can talk about on the Die Living podcast. People would actually want to listen to that, Aaron. Fine. We'll do that as the Die Living podcast. Yeah, we Because we, I had a really interesting conversation when I was out in Colorado with Joe. Furco? Yeah. Oh, am, I allowed, am I allowed to say Joe's last name? I don't know. Secret oh, that's what, agent man. It's not like secret agent man. I just, I you know. Um, I feel like it would be 
I feel like it would I feel be a really stain guilty on Joe's if we, good character. Exactly. Like if we derailed Joe's career because of some dumb hey, podcast uh, a couple shit. couple yahoos were talking about you, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did Joe have to say about it? Well, first of all, we can beep his name. I will we say this because we're lazy. One of the things I love about Joe is when I went up to his dad jeans or his grass stained sneakers, <laughs> like <laughs> the fact that he carries coolers full of meat home with him on commercial airlines. Every time I see I him, mean, like I said, one of the things that I that love he has a team building 1996 sweatshirt that he wears <laughs> unembarrassedly. Joe, I think has never purchased a t-shirt. I believe that he is grateful for all the ones he's been given and he wears them until they're threadbare and fall off his shoulders. I, I believe that's true. Um, Continue. <laughs> When I went to his change of command ceremony, yeah, I was like, hey, man, where do I park? And he said, you can park wherever the fuck you want to because no one here can give you a parking ticket. <laughs> so he's like, I would suggest you find the parking space that looks like it's reserved for the highest ranking guy. And just park there. And just fucking park there. I dig that a lot. I was like, yeah. The like, commanding general. Right. Aaron. <laughs> like, all right, I'll just back my pickup truck into this. As well you should. There you go. Uh, anyway. So you and, Joe, talking, you and Joe had a conversation about Brovet culture. Yes, out in Colorado yep. when we were doing uh, the mule deer archery yep. hunt. And I actually thought that he brought up some really interesting points, which I'm not going to get into right now. Talk we're going to save it. for the podcast, yep. uh, about what has led to and one, what remains the problem that propagates the perpetuation. Whiskey, titties, and high point nine millimeters? Is that? I think it starts earlier than that. Oh, stop it. According to Joe. Well, that's fair. It probably starts with uh, abusive relationships with our parents. Maybe not that early. <laughs> Freud would say it was all about our relationship with our mother. Maybe. These brovets were loved too much or loved not enough. Hard so, to tell. The next, uh, when Brian comes back. That's a real podcast, though. It's a real podcast. I can promise you that the next bottom of the barrel podcast, Brian, if it ever happens, <laughs> will not be about anything in particular. We will talk about circumcision and random things that you never would have thought were going to happen on a podcast. What if, here's a conspiracy theory for you. What if circumcision is only done and continues to be done? To harvest themselves? To create powdered foreskin for rich people's eyelids, eyelid, eyelids or eye. Does that areas. actually make you look younger? I think I saw something somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like, well, it's time for me to Google foreskin anti-aging powder. <laughs> Let's take a look. I thought I heard about this somewhere. That you Is this like the placenta eating post baby? Like because animals do it, I do it. Uh, I was susceptible to that. I'm just saying. I know people that eat foreskin. Really? What the fuck, man? Like, Sometimes I say things with you that I feel are going to be inflammatory. Not foreskin, sorry, placenta. That's oh what yeah, yeah. placenta is legit. That's uh, I don't know anyone. Very rich foreskin. in vitamins and things. Iron. <clears throat> On the other hand, foreskins. Hmm. I don't know. Several beauty po- products contain baby foreskin cells, urine, or snail extract. Are these only sold in China? Uh, no. Wrin- eye wrinkle treatments. May use baby foreskins. So, like, do does this mean that? I mean, I really feel like we're cheating our next podcast by talking <laughs> about this right now. But does this mean that the rabbi is collecting a jar of foreskins after the bris, and that they're just grinding them into powder in a pestle after they've dried, and then they're selling it to like oil of Olay to use an anti wrinkle treatment? I don't know, man. I feel like there's a fucking underground. This, you know what? <laughs> Vice, there's an underground I want to watch foreskin a fucking, cabal. 
I want to watch a Vice 20-minute expose on the fucking foreskin industry. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what's that guy's name that you like so much that owns Vice? Anoush? No, 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 no. The, the guy who's always in the, the videos that has the sleeve tattoos. From Vice? Yeah, yeah, from Vice. I like the Indian guy. Uh, no, no, I mean, he's a reporter. I'm talking about the guy who is like the owner of Vice. Yeah, he was it's one Canadian, of the Canadian, gray-haired. Yeah, the Indian dude that was Canadian. That Bro, this guy is the whitest dude ever. He's heavy set. He has sleeve tattoos. He's the only two guys that I know from Vice that are, are like OG Vice guys. I'm actually going to consult the Indian people. guy, and then who's the other dude that went with the crazy, fucking right wing Proud Boys thing? No, those are all reporters. You're like missing the point, Vice guy. No, dude, Anoush was a, I believe that's his name. He's definitely one of the founders. Um, let's let's look it up. I swear to God, I'm looking right now, um, because I feel like this is all. What the hell is this dude's name? Sarush. Sarush Alvi. Yeah, so you find the right. you find the guy you want. Pakistani Canadian journalist. Yeah, vice dude. I apparently that is Gavin not. McInnes. No. Nope. I think Shane Smith. Shane Smith, that's the dude. Gavin McInnes is the Proud Boys guy, right? Yeah, sure. What a fucked up concept that whole thing is. Was it? I mean, it seems no more fucked up than fraternities to me. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you on that. I mean, dude, there's a reason. The Proud Boys thing was amusing to me because they actually seemed like they were doing a really good job of concealing what their actual intent was for like five minutes. I was like, oh, look uh, at these guys. They're a little weird. That's not a, not it's even an incel long, movement. You know, like I get it. That these, these are guys who clearly don't understand what a vagina feels like. It was like an incel movement with like some kind of weird racism going on. Uh, but beyond that, it was like taking hints from like the Catholicism, like you know, you got to like whip yourself or you yeah, know, self like self-flagellation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That w- welcome to every grown man in America. I'm just not good enough. If if I could solve those problems by being myself with a whip, I would do it. What was the name of that organization uh, in the? In the, the the Da Vinci Code that did that. Oh yeah, yeah. The the dude had the leg strap yeah. with the fucking yeah, yeah. the spikes on it or yep. whatever. He like tighten it up. I could see you wearing one of those. I hate myself. <laughs> it would make for cool Instagram. The posts. pain makes me stronger. It's like uh, the the guy with the mohawk in uh, Tears of the Sun. This isn't the best I can do. Put me back in. No, dude. You just got got by like a child soldier. <laughs> this is the best you can do. I tip my hat to you as a Navy SEAL. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what were you saying about Shane Smith? I was just saying that he was like your role model that you look up to him. And when you're saying that there's this 20 minute expose on the underground foreskin industry, I can already see it's like, hi, I'm Shane Smith. (laughs) And this night or tonight, we're going to go deep underground for the secret Jewish cabal of the foreskin. I don't think it's a Jewish thing, man. It's probably coming out of the hospitals. I want to point out to you that circumcision amongst non-Jewish people is going down. I, I agree it's going down. So those foreskins are only but coming I bet, from the bris. Uh, I bet way more foreskins are coming out of hospitals than they are coming out of in-home. It's hard. I mean, I feel like this is the thing that the expose will really start to show you. I also think it's weird to talk about that in the sense that, like, as someone who is circumcised, I feel like that is what a penis should look like. So it's also funny to talk to, like, 
my wife, who's like, oh, I've seen a lot of uncircumcised penises. They're the normal ones. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then she's all like, we shouldn't circumcise our kid. It's torture. And you're like, um, well, I mean, I don't remember it. You know, I, I don't. But maybe this is what's driven me to be the sociopath I am today. Mm. Someone cut the skin off my the tip of my penis when I, I was. I don't think so, man. Well, I mean, I, neither do I. I think there was probably more things at stake there. However, it is interesting that we as a culture rebel against the idea of female genital mutilation, which reduces their sexual pleasure. But we don't recall the idea of male genital mutilation, which reduces our sexual pleasure, but makes us last longer technically. So like we get what we want out of it. Do you feel like your sexual pleasure is muted? I mean, it would be hard for me to determine because I only know what my sexual pleasure is as I mean, I can have an orgasm. So like I'm good, right. but also I feel like maybe it would be better if I had foreskin protecting the sensitive nerves on the head of my penis. You're uh, shaking your head. Why? I just don't think that that is this. I don't think it that seems that's, to me that the only reason we engage. I don't in, think you can equate that with with female genital female mutilation. General mutilation. I mean, there's a lot of varieties of female genital mutilation, right, but fair, like clitoral but, dehooding is exactly the same thing. I mean, like literally the exact same thing. So that's why I think about it. I'm like, that's weird. Also, I think it's super weird that when you really get down to why we continually circumcise our kids is because we want them to look like us. It was good enough for my yeah, dad. Yeah, exactly. It be good enough for my son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and because we don't have a religious tie to it anymore, and like the Levitical pres- or the Levitical, I guess it's a proscription. I have a covenant with the Lord, Doug. Well, I mean, so I accept that. If it's like a cultural thing, okay, cool, man. Like I, I buy that, but I also think that there's a lot of things in Levitical law that were done because of a lack of public health options, like because people weren't washing regularly, because you know no one knew they should be like using soap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the idea of telling people they couldn't have sex with their wife while she was on her period, like eh, it's a double thing. They don't want to like it avoided uh, urinary tract infections and things like that. Right. So like the idea that we're circumcising people as babies, it was preventing sexually transmitted infections or urinary tract infections, things like that. It was promoting good health. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of cultural things don't really make sense, right? Well, I mean, they did it at one time. They certainly don't, don't make sense now. Don't make sense now, right? Sure. So it's kind of like, what are we uh, What are we really doing there? You know? And I think we just found your political platform, man. What? <laughs> it's a, I'm not an anti-circumcision <laughs> person, though. I'm, for, a, I'm pro-freedom. If you want to cut your kid's dick or not cut your kid's dick, it's up to you. <laughs> Doug Keyswetter, Hillsborough Town Council. <laughs> anti-circumcision. I am not anti-circumcision. I am pro-penis choice. Cut it or don't cut it. What the fuck mm. do I care? That's my policy. <laughs> We need to get you a bumper sticker that's like pro-choice with penis and like small letters and parentheses <laughs> in between. It's the it's the killer Mike fuck hope do dope right. platform. Like <laughs> come to my church. No, I feel like that might be that might be received poorly in Hillsboro. Speaking of killer Mike, did you read that interview yet? I didn't. You have to read it. All right. So next podcast, we're going to talk about it. By the way, this was supposed to be a thirty-minute thing, and we're on an hour. It has been it's been thoroughly satisfying right. to me. We're so. going to turn it off. I'm going to leave it with everyone out there should listen or should go read the Onion AV Club interview with Run the Jewels about Steven Seagal. It is one of the greatest pieces of writing within <laughs> the last five years. That- this, this is not hollow praise from Aaron. He's a literary connoisseur. It's true. I wouldn't go that far. It is, it is true. You're, you're very well read. I'm a literary consumer, maybe not quite connoisseur. Consumed a lot, which gives you a taste. 
for just other literature for gluttony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really care for this. Typically, when we post something, and Aaron's like, I felt like it used cheap devices, or maybe it should look more like this article. I know it's going to be a home run. I'm like, we're not changing anything. <laughs> Let's run with it. The people that read our articles have two digit IQs and will love it. All right. Well, with that, I hope that everyone who has a two-digit IQ that reads my blog post writing really enjoyed this completely nonsensical hour-long waste of their time. (laughs) (laughs) We have done nothing to make your life better in any way, shape, or form. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.